Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Tough Love Terry podcast. In today's interview, I'm sitting down with Angela Michelle. Angela is a sexologist, a body image activist, a disabilities advocate, and a boudoir photographer. So, all of the things. Now, the thing about Angela is that she had an amazingly life-changing experience a few years ago where she suffered a stroke, and she's going to tell us all about how that caused her to have to shift her purpose and her mission. Angela is also one of the educators on the Boudoir University Seven Pillar Program, and I was really excited to invite her in to share her knowledge of how sexuality and boudoir go hand in hand. So yeah, there's a lot of information we talk about in this interview, and I hope you get a lot out of it. Enjoy! Perfect. All right. Welcome. Welcome. We have Miss Angela today with us, and we are chatting about all things sexy. (laughs) So yeah, so Angela, give a little context for the listeners, kind of like your journey uh, from, because you're a boudoir photographer, you're also a disability activist. Uh, I'm not sure if that's the phrase that you used to call yourself, but also you're a sexologist and yoga, uh, yoga instructor. Mm Mm-hmm. Correct. So multi-talented in multiple things, which is fantastic. So yeah, so talk, kind of share what your journey has been. Like what, what started the catalyst of all of the things? Yeah. So um, it's funny because if you would have told me I would have been doing this work 10 years ago, I would have thought that was nuts. Um, just it wasn't on my radar. Um, but I feel like everything I experienced kind of led me to this point and this journey. Um, so I've been a photographer for pretty much since the nineties, I started in film and, um, I really had a passion for photojournalism and that's what led me to study cultural anthropology. And my line of thinking was like, oh, this will be perfect. And then I can go out and be a photojournalist. Well, right around that time is when newspapers were downsizing and no one was hiring. (laughs) Um, so I was like, okay, shit, that's not going to work. So, um, what do we do? We adopt. Um, so along the way I started my own photography company and I was just doing a little bit of everything like weddings, pets, like throw me anything and everything. Um, and then I started photographing boudoir here and there. And I realized that that and editorial kind of fashion inspired work was kind of a passion of mine. And so I really decided to focus there. Um, the more that I did boudoir work specifically, I saw the link between like body image and boudoir work. And I became really fascinated with that aspect and also, you know, how our own culture plays a role in these ideas that we have about body image. Um, and so I really just started kind of toying with these ideas and some of my experience experiences with clients really inspired me to dig deeper and to want to learn more. Um, I guess partly it's, you know, I think it's interesting because I think that in some points, what we do and what we're passionate about ends up stemming from healing our own trauma 
perhaps. You, usually, I think, is the is the actual thing. Yeah. It's yeah. like, in my experience, it's like, oh, it's so much easier to just help other people. So yeah. uh, then the worry about my own shit. We're like, why does this resonate so much with me? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, and I think growing up, I had my own body image issues, especially you know, being a teen in the 90s when it was like that heroin chic look was in. And so I developed my own body image issues. And so I, in a way, saw it, I was healing others. And in that process, I was healing myself. Um, and then in 2016, as you know, I had a stroke, completely changed my life. Um, before that, I didn't have any known medical conditions. So I went from, I thought, being healthy to being very sick and um, almost died in 2016. The stroke left me completely blind in one eye. Luckily, I am uh, left eye dominant and I went blind in my right eye. So, you know, the universe looks out for us. You, someone's got positivity over here. <laughs> it could always have been worse. <laughs> it could have been way worse. Exactly. Um, no, so I was, I was really lucky in a lot of ways. Um, but that experience really changed my relationship with my body because it began, I already knew this, but it really hit home that it's not about what it looks like. It's how it's letting me live, mm. how it's letting me experience this world and what I'm doing. Um, and so at that time, you know, there was old other things happening in my life. Um, at the time of the stroke, I was pregnant, I miscarried, got told I can't have kids. So it was a lot of uprooting and changing of the expectations I had for my life. Um, and I turned to yoga. I had always been a yoga practitioner, um, but it was more a form of exercise and like movement of my body, joyful movement of my body. But all of a sudden it went deeper. It mm. went more to like the philosophy the psychology of it. And it really helped me to heal because um, as you know, when I had my stroke, I had two hospitals miss it. So, you know, we can go down the road talking about how our <laughs> medical system fails people, but we won't right now. Um, that's, that's for a whole topic. other podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that can be a, another podcast. Um, but it, uh, I had a lot of resentment and a lot of anger that I had to process and yoga helped me to do that. Mm -hmm. And so going through that experience, I realized like I wanted to help other people who had chronic illnesses and disabilities, especially those who didn't think yoga was accessible to them, whether mm -hmm. it be um, the way their body is shaped or what it's capable of. And so, um, you know, I, I went and I got my 200 hour, then my 300 hour. I was trained in adaptive and therapeutic techniques. And so my passion, you know, before COVID is I was going out and like working with stroke survivors and I was going to support groups and I was showing them uh, yoga and meditation techniques because I think we have these ideas, especially with like Instagram of like what a yoga teacher looks like or is. Yeah. And I kind of break all those molds, you know? Yeah. Um, and I kind of, I kind of like that. And you know, I remember when I was teaching before COVID locally in San Antonio, um, before my surgery, I was on oxygen 24 seven and I would show up to my yoga class to teach with my oxygen tank. And there was always like, people would be shocked and I'd see their confusion 
And I didn't let it bother me because in my mind was like, if these people are coming to like really learn, I've got some shit to teach them. Yeah. If anyone who understands the power of breath, I promise you, I understand. <laughs> Nothing like living with a lung disease to make you appreciate breath and understand the importance of breath work. Um, so yeah, I just, I love working with that segment of the population. And then the sexology aspect came into it. Um, because as boudoir photographers, people open up a lot. There's something about them getting half naked in front of you physically mm -hmm. that makes them uh, be vulnerable emotionally. Mm -hmm. And so I found that people were opening up about um, their sexual experiences, sexual trauma, um, experiences in their current relationship. And I kind of didn't know how to handle it at the time. And so I took the approach of just holding space like this was me just holding space for them to process. Um, but, you know, along the way I, I was, I wanted to learn more and, you know, me, I'm always trying to learn and gather more info. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when I had my, my illness and I was in the hospital for months and, you know, I knew I was going to have to have more procedures and more surgeries. I realized photography wasn't something that I could sustainably do if my health took downhill turns or had you know it's going to have dips and lows and um, yeah. there's no care for the disease that caused all this so um i have to adapt yeah and so um i took the opportunity to study sexology and i took about two years and i went and earned my certification with the american college of sexologists um my specialty in that is in the intersectionality of body image, sex. Um, I'm also really into like the mindfulness aspect of sex. And then I have a particular passion of helping people with chronic illnesses and disabilities. Cause I think we have all these ideas of what we think is sexy. And it's kind of like, I wanna show people like it's sexy is a state of mind. It's an emotional, it's not like what we look like. It's not that. Yeah. So, yeah. Sorry. I. Long-winded story. But I think it's always important for people to like kind of hear how how you get to where you are. Like, I think that's really important to, especially because I think a lot of people that listen to my podcast anyways are standardly photographers that they think like, now I'm a photographer. This is where I stay. You and I both know that that's not at all. And then if you expect that from yourself it can be very stressful because then all of a sudden you're like I want to be over there but I'm also afraid to leave um because this this is what boudoir photography is supposed to be um meanwhile we want to expand it to include yoga or in my case yeah. like workshops about body image or whatever the thing is but like um so I always like for other photographers or other creatives to hear that your mission can be executed through more than just with your camera yeah. and um and your scenario is a perfect reason why i think it's important to think like that because you never know what's going to happen that one day you may not be able to take photos or you may not be able to do that but that doesn't mean your life's calling or your mission or your purpose ends yeah. um and there are multiple ways for us to execute those things but if we're like really stuck on the label of being a photographer as the only thing then you're going to feel really stuck and you you very much after um after you went through that experience with yourself you very much well well i'm sure there was depressive points along yeah. the way 
you very easily could have stayed there being like, well, what does nothing matters now, but instead you did choose to adapt and say, okay, I know this work is still really important. And if not even more important for this very select group of people that definitely don't have somebody advocating. Um, and it allowed you to kind of give you a purpose again to yeah. like, um, step, step up for people just like you did as a photographer. So well, and I think you're, you're absolutely right in that I feel like my purpose is the same. I'm doing the same work. I'm just doing it in a different way. Yeah. And, and that's what I tell people is um, I'm still doing the exact same work. I'm still empowering people. I'm still encouraging them to like live their life and that they're worth so much more. I'm just doing it in different ways through the body image coaching or the yoga or the sex coaching and um I I miss the photography aspect right now and you know I'm not doing it because of COVID yeah but what I thought was interesting is you know you said like as photographers we think like that's what we have to do that's what we have to be and I know I was at a point of how am I going to transition and then COVID yeah. happened and it kind of forced it <laughs> because it was like it cut off my photography arm completely like yeah that's what I say like it while mine's not like because I don't have a chronic illness so like I was able to work a little bit but it literally like like was like okay like shit or get off the pot now you have nobody to blame but yourself like at this point like you've been thinking about it you've been thinking about it so now's the time to act like um really was that like slap in the face for the world I think of like what do you want (laughs) you need more time here you go well and I think it just opened up Uh, but again like you and I both have that positivity aspect where we're like okay yeah it does suck there are parts of this that really suck uh and it's hard and stuff like that but there are also ways that we can innovate, we can adapt, and we're not going to let it keep us down and feel sad about it. Does that make sense? So um, I think that you and I both are kind of that same way where it's like, oh, I'm mad. But then you're like, okay, well, I'll stay here for like a day, I guess. Yeah. But then after that, it's like, okay, what are you doing about it? <laughs> I think I stayed there for a little longer than a day in 2020. <laughs> but you know well rightly so though you also are in the u.s so you had a lot of other things to contend with besides just the pandemic stressful year yes i am i'm in a much better place than i was a few months yeah i remember when we talked a few months ago uh you were very fiery at the time uh about uh the way people were behaving (laughs) And then we talked about how you can't control how people behave. So what can you do is control yourself. <laughs> Which and is I good. know this, I do, I know this. But yeah, we all need those reminders to stay on that path. Oh, so same. Thank you for me being too. that sanity for me. Oh, I, that's okay. I also had to do it to myself and have my mom do it to <laughs> me. So you're fine. <laughs> um, so what is a mantra? Like you've been, you have been through a lot of shit. Like you have gone through a lot. What is like kind of a mantra or phrase that kind of helped that you hang on to, to get you up in the morning to like when you had, like after you had your stroke and literally almost died, Like, what was the thing that said, yeah, this sucks, but like, what was the thing that you said to yourself to, I mean, I don't know if it was like a mantra, a mantra per se, which I do love mantras, 
Um, but for me, I found focusing on gratitude. Okay. And um, I I have this little technique. I, I don't know if I've shared it with you before. Um, so whenever I see like all the numbers match on a clock, like 222 or 1111, I pause and I do a gratitude check. Oh, my mom does that. Who does it? My mom. Your mom? Yeah. Um, So I do like a gratitude check and I like go through and think of everything I'm thankful for. And I always tell people like, it's really important that we're um, in a state of gratitude, even when shit is bad. And to me, it's especially when shit is bad. It's important that we hang on to something and it doesn't have to be big. It can be like, I'm thankful for the way the light is coming in and hitting that leaf on the tree and it looks like it's glowing and like that's a beautiful moment that I'm grateful I'm witnessing I mean it can be you know even if we're in a state of pain or a state of physical discomfort emotional discomfort grounding to gratitude is just such a powerful thing to me that brings us back to this moment to our body when you when you were at one of the lowest points after your first like like after you came out of the hospital or maybe when you were in the hospital Mm -hmm. when you were like what the fuck just happened (laughs) probably i would assume (laughs) that's at first um but like when you realize the severity of everything that was going on what what was the gratitude that you found in that moment to to hold on to to like so you didn't because the thing is uh, when people are sick anyways, the, if you have a negative mindset, your illness will uh, exacerbate. Whereas if you can focus on positive thinking and not, not as not toxic, positive thinking, but just like, yeah. like thinking, like practicing gratitude or things like that, your, your chances of your resiliency is much higher, like phys- oh, yeah. physically. So um, what was like at one of the lowest of the lows for you? What what was the gratitude that you remember um, clearly? And and this kind of does go into like the work I believe I'm here to do, but it's um, community and connection is really what got me through it because after my stroke, the community pulled together in so many ways to help me. And I'm talking about like my my local community, my clients, also the boudoir community, you know, the Association of International Boudoir Photographers pulled together and did a fundraiser for me to help me to kind of give me a cushion to recover. Um, all these people came together and some I never met, you know, and they were giving me um, either their expertise or their time. I mean, people were just giving me in so many ways, like, People were offering to like, I'll edit if you need me to edit. If you have weddings booked and you need me to do them. I mean, people were just coming forward. And um, that was like such a a huge thing to be grateful for that I had this support group. And yeah, that that was just like. That's beautiful. That literally is, I'm like tearing up over here. (laughs) I'm like, it's fine. Suck suck it back, Terry. It'll be okay. No, but yeah, the community really, I mean. And that's what I'm here for. And, you know, I talking to Jill about like my purpose and stuff, I feel like um, I'm here for a purpose, I feel like. And I, my purpose isn't like to have a family and I'm not going to have children and I'm not going to do certain things. 
that maybe I thought I was going to do, and that's okay. But I do feel like my purpose is to serve like the greater community and to like, I don't know, like just be this like spark of um, hopefully inspiration that other people can find joy in their life, even if it's hard. Because, and, and that's the thing, I've realized that some of the people that are the most joyful in life have been through the most shit because they, they've had to face that. Well, and that's something I was, uh, actually, I was talking to Jill. So for those of you that are maybe just checking in, to, Jill is my associate, my like one of my best friends, um, and she does coaching as well. And so her and Angela have been working together um, throughout the last few months here. But um, when Jill and I went for a walk the other day, socially distanced, don't worry, people. <laughs> um, but we, we, I actually brought that up because I, I was saying about all the stuff I've been sharing on my Instagram lately has been super personal stories about growing up and it's always about I found out who I was by finding out who I wasn't um and that usually comes from some sort of traumatic thing that you're like I don't want to be here anymore like I don't like my mindset that I have or I don't like the person I've become or I don't like what's happening to me um so I need to get myself out of it kind of thing and I was saying as a somebody that was bullied from a young age like I had to learn early on it's like it could always like it can always be worse and I know that's like something that can be used in a way that's like toxic positivity or whatever but literally when COVID hit and I was going down the spiral of anxiety of uncertainty and like what the hell like my business like what am I doing should I get rid of the studio like all of these thoughts and all of a sudden it was like my brain was like you watched your father die this is not more hard more difficult than that was yeah and what did you do to get through that because you did get through it and so it was like okay well I took it one day at a time so I so it's like having those really difficult scenarios to get through mm-hmm. makes things more like opportunities <laughs> and like say what can I learn from this because I learned from this really hard thing and like I lived through that and lived to tell the tale yeah and it was hard and it was dark and I I almost didn't make it but I did and if I can do that then this thing is like super yeah. like this is nothing you know and so I think it gives us kind of that anchor to like always weigh things against if that makes sense to realize that oh this isn't that big of a deal like you know well I think you touched on something that I think positive people do and again you know you talked about like that toxic positivity which I'm not like for that at all like the whole like oh good vibes only I'm all fuck that like there's all (laughs) kinds of vibes Uh, and we're gonna deal with them yeah Um, but the idea that there is a learning to be had through an experience, even if it's hard. I think that's something that people who are positive do. Yeah, I think it's, uh, I can't remember who said it, but it's like, not what's happening to me, but what's happening for me. Yeah, yeah. That kind of idea, like shifting it from, oh, the world is out to get me, or it's like, or what is the world giving you? What is the world giving me, right? And it's it's funny because I would tell people, my stroke was a gift and people would look at me like I was crazy and nuts. And I'm like, no pun intended, but seriously, it was a gift of perspective. It literally changed my perspective. Yeah. <laughs> literally. Literally now just one eye. <laughs> yeah. but, no, it shifted my perspective. And I was like, you know, some people live their whole life 
not getting it. And, and some people don't get it until they're like 60 or 70. Mm. So what a gift to have that perspective in my 30s. Yeah. And, um, and that's how I saw it. And I decided to like learn from it. And, um, you know, that's resiliency. And, you know, we've, I've had conversations, especially with Jill about like resiliency and where does it come from? And it's interesting um, because I also think there's like something that happens with anxiety. Anyways, it's a, I'm sure you, you would be fascinated because it's all like psychology stuff. Like, uh, yeah, anyways. But yeah, well, I think it's just like one of those things where, again, it's like nobody can pull you out of that except for yourself. Like nobody, um, you know, because like, yeah, it's nice when people support you. Obviously, that's great. And that helps to be like, okay, there's got to be something bigger happening here that I don't know about. But ultimately, it's got to come from like some deep, uh, I think Angela Duckworth calls it grit, Uh, some grit to get you out of it. And like you can't. And I think that's what makes us stronger so that way when it does and the other thing is we all have a baseline of happiness like from the time that we're born and so if we are in situations where we don't have we don't have everything our baseline is going to be a lot more eat like it's easier to make us happy um right because it's like we again are comparing it to our baseline whereas people that have a high expectations because they maybe have gotten everything in their life then um then their expectations expectations are high that well they they are not resilient because they never had to be yeah right so it's kind of fascinating to like um yeah I don't know I but again you and I are both very positive people so that is kind of how our brains are wired to look for what can we learn here today and how can we use this to help other people that's like both of us I think in that way you hit something so uh important to me and that's that um we we take this experience and we really do like twist it on its head right and it's like what what caused that resilience so i'm like what caused that resilience for you do you know i think well i've always been self-aware which was helpful like i i journaled from the time i was like I used to write stories to help me process my emotions, like by the time I could write essentially and read books and stuff like that. So I, knowing what, knowing now what I know, how journaling helps, I could see how that would have helped me develop self-awareness as a kid. I was essentially having conversations with myself through writing, um, from a young age, but I was also very blessed to have a mother who also, um, taught me how to critically think. So she herself, is very much like well you have two choices like you always have a choice not choosing is a choice so like and so like that was like hammered into me from the time I was really little is like it happened like you can't change you can't change the reality of the situation all you can control and change is the way you react to it and you can you and that was her thing she's like you can be this way if you want to that is your choice to be that way but does that help you become the person you want to be or you could also do this thing over here 
And does that, is that more in line with the person that you want to become? And so from a young age, that's always kind of been in my brain. So sometimes I took the other path, <laughs> but, yeah. but then after some time realized that, okay, maybe she was yeah. right. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, but you find your way back. And that's what my whole like Instagram series is like finding out who I was by finding out who I wasn't is that whole process of yeah listening to my inner voice I think right. and so but I, th I think it's that idea of you always have a choice um you may not like your choices but you do have a choice and it is nobody can do that for you yeah, yeah. so it wasn't like one specific scenario it was just like kind of yeah all, all throughout it was like all throughout my childhood for sure my mom I would say my mom doesn't have really high empathy so like for her this was her way she wouldn't be like there there oh come here well she would still hug but then she'd yeah. be like okay but like let's, let's strategize and figure this shit out you know like here are your choices you know <laughs> very business-minded that way but I'm grateful because yeah. I know I've known how to critically think since I was little which is good then I make my own decisions whether or not they are good or bad <laughs> yeah. I think you and I share that in our childhood kind of yeah um something else you talked about was like the expectations and uh. I think that that's really important because I think expectations can set us up for like disappointment oh and absolutely there's a quote I, by John Maxwell is my favorite it says it? uh when expectation Oh, disappointment is the gap between expectation and reality. I have heard so, that one. Yeah, yeah, it is like my favorite quote. And this is why I'm so big on setting expectations with clients or yeah. um, just managing my own. Like when I get disappointed with something, I'm like, oh, and then I was like, it, is that because you expected something different? Yeah. Well, I, I think this way, like when I shoot, like as a photographer, because there's some photographers can go into a photo shoot have an idea of what they want and create that exactly yeah. and bravo i'm like y'all are amazing i can't do that so i always like when i'd go to a photo shoot i would say okay let go of whatever i thought i was going to create Perfect. and that's what i love about your universe decides cards is it's kind of that mentality yeah. mm. letting go <laughs> of any expectation yeah and instead what's there Yes. Doing? And what it's is a perfect action act of gratitude because you have to find the beauty in what you have been given in that yeah. moment. Yeah. 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 That's like I haven't gotten a set of cards yet, but I'm like dying. I'm it's on my list. I actually let me send you. I'll send you a set. I'll send you a set. I bought your book, by the way, because I was like, I need that. Oh, thanks. But yeah, I'll send. I'll send you a deck of cards. I'll, I'll have to order them from the site, so we'll deal with that later. But but interestingly enough, because I'm in isolation right now, I haven't been able to shoot. So my whole self portrait series, like I have this beautiful two room studio with like like beautiful sets and da 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 da, and I can't go use it. So I've been creating in like. I told my husband, I'm like, what is this? Like a seven by seven square that I get to work in now. And like, and it has been some of my best work um, yeah. of myself that I've ever created because I have nothing to rely on except for my creativity and how to make it look different for 30 days. Yeah. Or how many days are in December? 30, 31, whatever. 31. Um, yeah. And so like, I have to like in this very tiny space with a very tiny window because it's in the basement. So it's not even a full window. It's like one of those tiny little rectangle windows and there's a sticker in it. So I don't even get the full window. <laughs> 
So it's like, okay, so how can I utilize what I have? And so I've been more creative and I feel the same way doing that work that I do when I do was doing the universe decides in the summertime. It's because it's like, let's just see where this takes us. And like, you have to remove any expectations of what it is going to be, um, which can be hard. But you and I, again, both share that, that we are both adaptable and are like, I don't want to see what happens. (laughs) And some people are like, no, I need very specific guidelines. Yeah, Yeah. I'm not like that. I never have been. I'm Mm. like, let's just. I'm like, give me guidelines, but I'm a fuck them up. Like, (laughs) I'm like, but what if we didn't do it that way? That's that's how I interpret directions. Are you a Bob Ross fan? No, we didn't really have that here. I don't think in Canada, but like now I know he's like super popular. Like Happy Little Trees, kind of like Happy Little Trees. Oh yeah, Happy happy Accidents, or yeah, yeah, is that what he calls Happy Little Accidents? Yeah, Happy Accidents. It's like oh, Happy Accident, and it's it's my whole life. Yeah, and I think that's like a great mantra to have, though. It's like. Oh, it was just, it was meant to be that way. Like, that's why I'm always like, you know what? I guess this is just what was supposed to happen. Yeah. And I started to realize that I actually started to implement that kind of thinking, even when I'm, because driving some, depending on the music I'm listening to, I can get very ragey or <laughs> I will be calm. So I had to stop listening to Ludacris because like, <laughs> while it like hyped me up, it hyped me up and I'd be like, move, bitch, get out the way, <laughs> um, which does not make for a safe driver. So, uh, and also stress out. So I was like, okay. So anytime like there'd be a train now, when I see a train, it's like, oh, but then trains remind me of my husband. So, cause he loves trains and he gets excited when there's a train. So now I'm like, uh, but I'm also like, oh, Ryan, you know, or when I'm at a stoplight, I'm like, oh, but do I celebrate the green ones when I get them? So now I'm like, if I'm going to complain about the stoplight, then I have to, every time I get a green light, I have to be like, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like it's the only way it's the only, it's only fair. So that way it evens the playing field. So it's like kind of shifting little behaviors like that. Because we're, we're, our, our brain is, and you talk about this so much, Jerry, our brain is wired to look for danger. Yeah, and, always. And it's wired to like see the bad because the bad is danger. And so we're just wired to see that. And so if you can retrain your brain to start to see the positive and the good, you can actually change like the brain, the body and the chemicals. And yeah, it's, it, but it's a practice. And that's the hard part. Is. Have you read, um, I would, I, about a month ago I read Matthew McConaughey's new book it's like green lights yeah I'm, I'm listening to it on audible right now oh yeah. yeah so it's like about that same concept where it's yeah. like maybe your red light stopped you from getting into an accident so when it becomes green it actually saved you and so like right. all these things that never happened were blessings to, that right. became green light so saying and then at the end he talks about how COVID will see it as um as a green light eventually it may not feel like that right now for everyone but eventually it will oh, feel I, yeah and but I, there's a I, lot of people like I don't know the people I surround myself with are very positive people though and they're yeah. like this was the best thing that happened to me <laughs> I mean I think you know early on I was talking about it very early on um but even like in March and April in the beginning when it was you know we're still so much unknown I kind of saw it as 
I mean, don't get me wrong. It's awful in that it's causing so much heartache in so many different ways. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I'm like, this is the cultural shift that kind of our species needed to like to feel (laughs) like because big cultural shifts don't happen on their own usually there's something some kind of catalyst that is going to inspire it and when i see how it's changed like it's changing the way businesses operate it's changing how we work it's changing what we focus on what we value Mm. valuing connection more we're valuing community we're starting to appreciate the people who actually work at the bottom like you know the grocery store workers and yeah and so um yeah i i feel like it had to happen <laughs> like you know it's well it's, and that's the thing it's like as much as humans think that we are invincible it's like nature will always win right oh, yeah. so so it's kind of like we we knew this was going to happen eventually this kind of thing coming and so it i think it was probably part of the governmental I don't know ignorance maybe I would say that like oh we'll we'll be fine it'll like well we're humans like look what look at all look at all the progress we've made like we'll be fine yeah that's probably what they said 100 years ago when something else happened so it's like no nature always wins like she never stops there's a really good video on YouTube that I like to watch that's narrated by like Julia Roberts I think um it's beautiful uh but it's about how nature will always overtake like as much as we think that we're like oh no like let's cut down all the trees and collect all the water and all this stuff like nature's like nah girl we we got the virus is nature and the like we were spreading like humans were destroying the earth yeah so the earth is purging us (laughs) the earth is healing itself yeah and so yeah it's when you look at everything it's like the whole interconnected the world the universe it's just everything gets much bigger and then all our problems seem much smaller. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So before we wrap up here, um, so you are teaching a sexuality and boudoir as part of the boudoir university course coming up on yes. Saturday. This won't this will be this will be aired after it has already launched, which is awesome. So hopefully people have already watched your okay. uh segment, but for those who haven't, um, so yeah, so tell me a little bit about how like how how you see in the photography industry right now that like the like sexuality and stuff like that is being performative almost in the boudoir industry in a way that is not maybe good um that is actually harmful to either people that are sexual or people that aren't sexual yeah so um my biggest thing is i think putting stereotypes on what we think is sexy Mm. because i think that sexuality um if anything i've learned as you know studying this and doing sex coaching is that humans were so diverse in our sexuality and what we like and how we want to um, portray ourselves and so when we start putting our own ideas and views of like this is sexy Mm. then and again we tend to do it from a very like cisgender heteronormative like you know what I mean we tend to put these ideas and you know what is sexy oh it's a 
a thin woman with big breasts and a big butt, but somehow has a really tiny waist. <laughs> and she's in lingerie and thigh highs. And, you know, that's media's version of it versus like, how do you feel sexy? Yeah. And that's a big difference. And that gives that person agency mm. over how they choose to portray themselves. Yeah, and I think it can help to help our clients redefine, like, I so many clients when I'm like, when we're talking about, like, here's what you like to wear or whatever, like, what do you want, when I usually ask them, like, what do you want to wear for your photo shoot, then they'll tell me, and I'll be like, okay, but I just want to make sure, like, if that's what you actually feel confident in, totally cool, because they always say Victoria's Secret, brown panty, whatever, and I'm like, Okay, but like, just so you know, there are other things that you could do. You could, if you feel sexy walking around in the morning wearing just like a baggy sweater that and like, like granny panties, cool, let's do it. If you feel sexy wearing nothing around your house, do it. Like, let's do yeah. that. And, and nothing but socks, let's do that. Like, yeah. whatever. And they're, they're the surprise of they're like, wow, I never really thought it's that. It, and yeah. I was like, that's because representation in our brains is right. so hammered home. Like, right. sexy is. And who is behind all of the marketing for what sexy is, is men usually so it's always from the male gaze and what they would prefer yeah it's yeah. patriarchal patriarchal capitalism who is going to portray a certain idea as sexy and i think when you give people the power to define their own sexy i think that there there's so much liberation in that for them yeah. um and so to me that's the big thing is just having boudoir photographers like be aware and that we're making sure that we're not putting our own ideals of what sexy is onto someone else or just how they want to be seen or what gender or, you know, and putting like, you never know, like, and I see a lot of shaming around. It's interesting because when you look at boudoir and sexuality, obviously there's a link, but yeah, I see some boudoir photographers who aren't comfortable with sexuality. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how can you do this work if you're not truly comfortable with what it's underlying, you know? So it's, and- inter- well, I was going to say, it's actually interesting because I identify as asexual, which means I don't really care about yeah. sex. I know what it is, but like, I don't, and I do it sometimes, but like, I just yeah. don't care. I have other things to do. Yeah, That's yeah, the way yeah. I explain it. So it's, but I can see how even still like me, like I, do I, I will still photograph women in the commercialized way that yeah. sex is sold as, a, as opposed to, I'm like, do you even want this? Like, yeah. do you even, like, does that feel good to you? Like, cause like when I, that was the thing I had to have my own photo shoot and I've had a few where I was posed sexually and I was like, I have no connection to these images <laughs> because, because at that time I didn't realize I was asexual because yeah. we're also taught that that's not a thing, but yeah, it is. You can just yeah. not want it. Yeah, yeah. There's like so many different things you can be. So yeah. I was like, no, I, I will just accept that label for right now. Um, and so then it made sense why those particular photos and I was like holy shit how many clients have I been trying to maybe if they see themselves this way then then their sex drive will go up do you not intentionally but I think that's like when women come to us well standardly women men too but when women come to us they're like this will be the thing that finally fixes me and makes me 
feel sexy and worthy of sex meanwhile they might actually just be they might be asexual and just not want it at all yeah (laughs) like there's nothing wrong with them but i would be contributing right to this idea that oh yeah yeah yeah, come on in we'll make you feel sexy and then yet there's still a disconnect so they still feel broken Uh, that's not me helping them feel empowered right and that was like really when i had to because i had to go through your course to do the thing i was like oh fuck yeah I mean, and I do I think we have to be careful because like sex isn't it, like you said sex isn't on every everyone has a spectrum of like mm-hmm. you know where how they feel about their sexuality some have high sex drive some have lower and you know what there's no normal <laughs> so yeah. it's all good um I identify as demisexual which is on the asexuality scale which always kind of baffled me because I am actually very sexual, but I, it's not like with just anyone. I have mm. to have that emotional. A really strong connection. I have to have a really strong emotional con- connection. So like I was never the one night stand person. Mm. I was, that just wasn't me. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, I think we are kind of putting this idea out there of like, oh, boudoir is you know, it's going to make you feel sexy. And for some people it can, mm-hmm. it can empower them. Um, and I talked about that in the presentation too, about it can also be about taking back the ownership of your body or agency, or I get to decide how I'm seen. I'm seen. Yeah. And um, so I think there's a lot of power in that, but I think just giving people like that, that, that agency to decide how they're going to show themselves and what is sexy to them. Because, you know, what is sexy to me is not probably what is sexy to most people. You know, like I remember I was photographed. I've been photographed many a times. Um, some of my favorite photos are by you. I like uh, you. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I remember I was getting photographed by Jennifer, Jennifer Rosenbaum. And I had been photographed a bunch that year. And she was like, well, how do you want to be photographed? And I was like, I don't know. I was like, well, what do you want me to wear? She's like, well, what makes you feel sexy? I was like, a black t-shirt and combat boots. <laughs> like, that's it. Like, I, I was like, panties and a black t-shirt and combat boots. She's like, cool. That's how we're going to photograph you. And those were some of my most favorite photos because they felt authentic to me. That's like, amazing. Do I look really sexy? I don't know, but I felt. It. You know and that, I mean? and that I think is the part too that we we've gotten so far removed from that we're trying to create. Uh, we're trying the way I say it is we're trying to create something instead of capture something. Now, yeah. like people are trying so hard to create what they think they need to be, as opposed to letting us and us letting ourselves just capture what already is. Yeah. Um, and this I think back to going at the flow. Yeah. And I think that's, that comes from existing in Facebook groups and seeing what everyone else is doing. And so you see what gets the likes and what doesn't get likes and, and all of that kind of shit that falls into the comparison thing that we don't even like, know. like, unless you critically think about, okay, why am I doing this? Um, You will just do the things and contribute to um, contribute to these harmful ideals and things like that. So, yeah. So I'm super excited. Uh, Y'all, hers 
is the last course on the thing. So you got to get through all the other stuff to get to Angela's uh, to get the, the stuff about sex. That's why we put it at the end because we're like, oh, people would want to jump there first, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I need them to get through the the, uh, the harder stuff first. <laughs> you know, it's something I do want to add to the, uh, kind of like what you're saying yeah. is when it comes to like, I guess that doing harm and the shame is the other problem I have is this automatic idea of like, if we, a man calls, like we automatically assume. And mm -hmm. I mean, I've had those men, so I understand and everyone should honor what they want. But I also think that, you know, like there was a situation where someone posted and they're like, I freaked out and I just hung up on him. And I'm like, that's not really the way to handle it because that can be shaming for that person. And as a yeah. sex coach, I work a lot with people who feel shame around what they want, want or like. And those little things, whether we realize it or not, are like shaming. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's not saying you have to photograph a male nude, but like, don't hang up on him. <laughs> like, yeah, still know. respond in a professional way. I always say set the yeah. expectation of what your boundaries are, but also right. educate on why the expectation is what it is. Because um, if you just say no, then they're going to tell themselves a story, which is probably already kind of fueled right. with some sort of shame. Well, you honestly don't know what that man wants. Mm -hmm. You know, like I shared the story about how I had a guy who called and he kept getting hung up on and he was like, he wanted nude photos of him and his wife because they're swingers mm -hmm. like, and they were totally normal and totally cool. And so just those expectations or I had another man who, you know, he actually wanted to come up and he wanted to dress in all women's clothes and he felt like so judged. And, you know, that experience with him of him appreciating that I gave him that space, mm -hmm. something that was, he was called to do without that judgment like I just think we need to be a little less judging and um and assuming I think that's assuming, the thing yeah and like there are ways like you still if you if that's not something you want to do okay that's fine you may want to question why um but i also think there's a way to professionally respond um you may not like the consequence of how you respond as we've seen with people that are like we don't serve gay people or whatever right. like yeah be prepared that your response might show up on the internet but <laughs> but if you truly want to be an inclusive photographer or somebody that promotes body positivity or somebody that's using these phrases about diversity and inclusivity and then you're acting in this way like no wonder you all got imposter syndrome <laughs> that's what i because you because everyone's not following what those things actually stand for yeah. um and so i think like there's a way to do it like if you don't want to do it that's fine but you have to be very aware of how to say it in a way that is about you not about them so it's not shaming them it's just saying this is like i don't shoot couples anymore just because i've tried it and it just doesn't not my thing i'm not right. i'm not great at it and i feel nervous and i i'm not into sex so it's like yeah. This is awkward for me. Like I, it's like when I used to shoot weddings, like, was I good at it? Yeah. Could I do it? Yeah.
yeah, was I passionate about it? No, those people deserve somebody that's yeah. passionate about shooting that stuff. So it's not that you can't say no, but right. follow up with, you know what, it's not my thing, but I can refer you to somebody that really is great at it. Yeah. And you can reach out to them and they may exactly. be able to do a webcam session if they're from somewhere else or yeah. whatever, like you can redirect it it just yeah, and, you and still keep your boundaries that's what I really wanted to express in the presentation is I see a lot of shaming and I want to move away from that where it's okay that we have our boundaries but we don't have to have our boundaries in a way that shames people it's like that don't yuck my yum right yep. you don't have to like it but someone yeah. does <laughs> exactly yes exactly awesome so to finish up here i'm going to ask you two questions so number one what inspires you right now um honestly like i'm inspired by learning like the more i learn the more i want to learn um right now i'm really interested in the vegas nerve oh I'm, yeah i'm doing um a lot of research and reading about that um, so yeah, I'm just really inspired by knowledge. Yep. I know this to be true. I know, you know what I want you to be inspired by? What? Getting your website done. <laughs> <laughs> it has been so long. It's actually, I told myself that it had to happen in 2020. Uh, <laughs> well, you've so. got one week. <laughs> I know. I do. I have one week. Angela, I've built three websites in the last month. Come on. <laughs> I keep talking about myself. What? It's weird because I have no problem <laughs> talking like this, but like on a website. Like I just, I don't know. Let me I, help you with that. Okay. <laughs> Next question. I, I'm actually going to, I'm going to be contacting you to book you for a um, coaching session in January. Oh, okay. Well, then during that, we're going to get your website done. That will be, that's all we're going to do on that call, by the way. Anyways. <laughs> next all right uh tell me about a client who changed your life and shifted your worldview like basically shifted your idea maybe of sexy or what yeah. you know shifted the way you do your business whatever um i i'm still gonna go back to that one client i talk about in that is it okay if it's in the yeah go for it um so she shifted it in that um I didn't realize she had all these insecurities and how much they were impacting her intimacy and her relationships. And when she shared her story and she started getting really emotional seeing her photos, I realized that she was seeing herself as beautiful and scarred at the same time. Mm. And that's something that, you know, you talk a lot about too, is like, you're, you're not this or that, both can exist you know, yeah. like, um, and so she could be scarred and sexy. And those scars didn't make her unsexy. It was just like a part of her. And her breaking down crying was that realization that she had spent the last 10 years denying herself true connection, true intimacy with partners, um, that trust with uh partner the connection of sex um she denied herself of all that because she felt unworthy and so when she was able to marry this idea of you know i'm beautiful and i have scars i was like that i just changed her world like 
and I mean, I wasn't like, oh, I'm amazing. I changed the world. But like, you know, her expressing to me how it changed the world. Mm -hmm. And that's when I just like, this is more than photos. Like what we do, taking photos is a medium that we use to do something else, I think. Yeah. And the power in what we do lies in that like ritual of transformation that I talk about. Um, so, and she just was kind of like that first one that really inspired me to look at it on a much deeper level. That's amazing. Well, is there any last thing that you would like to share with people before we exit this call? Um, I would just love it if people would find me on Instagram, the kind of the blessed, the the blessed, the best place to find me. Until she gets her website up. Uh, yeah. And so, that's in 2021, you'll be able to find her website. In 2020, right now I'm telling people don't go to my website. <laughs> um, no, I I bought like 10 million domain names. So I need to, um, I know you can kind of relate to this one. <laughs> yeah. So I need to kind of like officially make it official. So I remember I was going by the sex maven, yeah. but now with, um, I feel like a lot of the sites are blocking things that have mm. sex in it. So I also bought the Love Maven. So oh, okay. I think I might use the Love Maven, but I also bought the Self Love Maven. So there you go. We'll figure it out. <laughs> I have some options. Um, but for right now, um, Instagram, either the photography portion is Raven Red Photo. And if you want to find my personal one, which is more of like sex coaching, yoga, it's just everything. And um, that's Angela.RavenWright. Perfect. And we'll have all that information uh, on the YouTube thing. It'll be in the description. And then as well on the podcast, I'll put it in the show notes so you can find her through there. Well, thank you, Miss Angela, for joining us. And uh, yeah, check her out on the Boudoir University. Bye.